The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We're going to be talking about a difficult topic today, overcoming Now, we tend to think that that means that we're going to be able to, like, win the lottery and overcome all of the financial woes and worries that uh, typically nag at us during a day. But we might find out something a little bit different today because typically we think in terms of overcoming the odds. It's a competition between us and the odds. Overcoming the enemy is another one. And, again, it's a competition between us and the enemy. But what if overcoming has nothing to do with any competition between us and anything, even ourselves? What if overcoming has nothing to do with getting rid of ego? What if it has nothing to do with overcoming the lower self and becoming the higher self? What if overcoming is all there is of spirituality and yet we are not competing with anything? Well, it's a paradox, but it's true. So today we're going to be talking all about that and not only talking about what what. Uh, actually is overcoming, but we're going to talk about how we do manage to overcome. So we've, we've lived in a world of duality for since the beginning of time. In fact, time was begun as a part of duality. But and because of that, we all have our, our boxed-in, limited images of what we're doing here and one of the things most of us think of in terms of overcoming is surviving how to overcome the odds so that we can survive but if survival is all there is to it then we wouldn't be living in the america we're living in today you know survival is 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 one of those things that is sort of a baseline it it is the foundation we have to survive in order to get to play a place where we can live more abundantly or live more alive and full and complete but uh, survival is not the end all and be all and yet there is that deep-seated survival instinct we all have and 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 not just an instinct but a behavior pattern in which we attribute to survival all kinds of things that really have nothing to do with survival so for example uh, if you tell me that I'm doing something wrong and in the past I've always had to believe that I was right about everything in order to feel secure, then I might fight you as if my survival were at stake because my image of myself, my identity is indeed at stake. My identity as one who is always right is now at stake. So I'm going to fight you tooth and nail because you're, you're telling me that I'm not who I think I am. And that just rattles the core of all of my cages. I, I don't know, excuse me, the hinges of all of my cages. I don't know 
how to live if I don't know who I am. So knowing who I am, or at least who I think I am, is extremely important and one of those things that is a baseline for survival. So we've put on these identities that have to do with how we behave in the world and we think it's who we are, but actually it's just a way that we're coping, a way that we're surviving. And uh, so that, that piece is very, very important when we talk about overcoming and I, I, will, I will come back to it again and again as we talk today. But overcoming, it, it, we think of it in terms of a competition. We've got to win. We've got to beat it down. We've got to get it, get over it. We've got to rush through life in a hurry to get to the end, the goal, the outcome. Um, when it even works in this way that when we're grieving a loss, that we think the first thing that we have to do is just hurry up and get over it. I have I can't even say how many clients that I've had over the years who've said, "When is this going to be over? <laughs> you know, when am I going to get through this?" And, and certainly they're in lots of pain. I've even said the same thing myself. So the pain is, is relevant to that question for sure. But it, it, it tells the story of how we think about life, that it's something to be gotten over, something to be overcome, something that we're, where we're spending our lives trying, striving, goaling, you know, doing all that we do to get to a place where we finally have overcome the odds. Well, there's a different story to all that, and uh, so what we want to talk about today is that is is something more than the overcoming that we've thought of. So first, let's talk a little bit about the law of attraction and overcoming. Um, as many of you know, if you've been listening to the show for very long, I've written a book called The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can, and uh that book makes some people angry and it makes some people very happy. So uh, it's run the gamut. I haven't seen anybody be mediocre about it yet. But the reason it is is because it strikes that chord that that has to do with overcoming. Based on the old understanding of the law of attraction, we are to believe that we have the power to overcome financial odds, relationship odds, anything that interferes with our happiness and um, have that that we want finally. But uh, what we've discovered, and I've had, certainly had many people uh, try this out, come to my office and say, you know, I've been working on the law of attraction for over two or three years or maybe five or six years, depending on the person. And I've tried everything I know. I've, I've stayed in a positive head. I have not let myself think any negative thoughts. I have tried not to feel any negative emotions. I have worked a vision board. I have uh, said my affirmations in the morning. I've meditated two or three times a day. I have meditated once a day on the object of my desires. I'm doing the work that they tell me to do. I'm feeling it. I'm seeing it. I'm doing the work. And yet, it hasn't happened yet. And uh, the proponents who would who say uh, that the law of attraction, as we understood it when it first came out, um, is true, would say, well, just, you know, either keep trying or do it differently. But... Uh, Many times I have people come into my office and say, what, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get the law of attraction to work for me? And basically what they're saying is it can't be the law of attraction that's wrong. It has to be me. And that's the exact same thing we do about our parents when we're little children. They can't be wrong. It must be me. But actually we find out as we grow up that very often they have been very wrong. So 
so we have some childlike thinking about this whole thing about, you know, what is life and how does a person live and how do you get what you want and why can't you always have it and all those things that are so uh, important to us. Well, in other countries, third world countries in particular, they're not thinking about whether or not they're going to have a house on the beach or a Cadillac or, a, you know, a, that job they want. They're thinking about whether or not they can feed their kids or whether or not they might be victims of Ebola. So we have a whole different mindset here in the West. And some would say, well, you know, maybe those other countries will evolve to how we are one day. And maybe they will. I don't know. But but this mindset that says I should always have what I want based on what I think I want is one of those things we've attached to overcoming the odds. So what are the odds in that case? Well, one of the odds that we have to consider is the whole issue of desire. Desire is uh, one of those um, things that connects us to the divine. The, uh, actually, the, wor- the words that are used in the old Hebrew texts about God uh, have a, as a root word the word desire. So God is desire. God is that passionate uh, openness and opening that says, you know, fulfillment of desire. And yet, um, we often go lacking in terms of our desires. So, so what does that mean when we try to put those two ideas together? Well, from the duality trance state, what we tend to think is that what I want is over there and who I am is over here. And I have to bridge that gap through the use of the work that is a part of the law of attraction. I have to visualize it. I have to uh, pray for it. I have to meditate on it. I have to clear out any negative thinking about it. I've got to do all that work and then I will have it. But actually, our life events run much deeper than that. Our life events... Uh, circumstances, best laid plans that go awry, all of that has to do with finding out who we actually are. So there's something that we call desire that isn't necessarily desire. I might want to have a boat, let's say. I want a boat and I want to be able to, um, you know, have a lot of fun in that boat and it, it also represents something about myself and my status in life and and it is fun, and it puts me near the water, which is good for my soul, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I want that boat, and I'm going to work the law of attraction to get that boat. Well, let's, let's talk about that want. What is that want? What does it really mean to want that boat? Well, we could say, well, it's just what I want, so what? Just let me have it. And, and many of us do say that. But if we look at the desire deeper, we might find that that desire has more to do with some image of ourselves than it does with, uh, you know, a true soul desire. So a true soul desire, now some people will define a true soul desire as it looks like compassion, it looks like service to other people. I don't define it that way. I think a true soul desire is anything that is your soul's desire. In other words, your soul wants more than anything else for you to know it as who you are. Your soul is your divine self, and it wants more than anything else in the world for you to know that you are divine self. And anything that your soul can use to get you to that is what it will use to get you to that knowledge. And so, we are attracted to and by all those things, people, places, events, and circumstances that are going to bring us to that knowledge, because guess what? Our soul is really in charge. 
that identity, that mask and costume that we put on as a kid to survive is not in charge. The soul is in charge. And so divine self is in charge. And what it's looking for is not an overcoming. It is looking for a union. It is looking for a union between all the variant aspects of who we are. And that union is the divine self. So, uh, so okay, so the boat, well, maybe that boat could be something the soul would use to help us get to know who we are as divine self. And in that event, we can do the work of the law of attraction and, and we'll get a boat and we'll say, well, I did the work of the law of attraction. It got me what I wanted. And so we can be put in uh, the, the, the testimonials of books like The Secret or websites about the law of attraction that say, if you do what I did, you'll get what you want too. But actually, it's the soul that wanted that boat to help us come to know who we are as divine beings. And maybe working that whole program helped us to get in touch with a deeper, stronger, truer self. Um, do, I, do I know this, uh, you know, that's what happened? No, I don't know that's what happened. But I do know that there are many, many people who are working the law of attraction just like the guy who got the boat did, and they didn't get the boat. Uh, so they got something else. They got other adventures, they got other enlightenments, they got other wisdoms, they got other things that happened in their lives, but they didn't get that boat. And so we have to look at that and say, okay, what is that really all about? Some people are getting what they want from the law of attraction, and they would say, well, we're doing it right, and you must be doing it wrong, so fix yourself, and don't tell me the law of attraction isn't true. Well, what I would say is, when we think of it in that terms, we're thinking of it from the old definition of overcoming, where I have to split off from aspects of myself in order to have what I want. Um, what what, what uh, the great master said, Jesus was one of the great masters of many, um, but one of the things he said that has been written down is um, that if we put the kingdom of heaven first, we all those other things will be added into us. So... And there was no if in front of that statement. That was me that said that just now. It said, put first the kingdom of heaven and all these things will be added to you. And it's not if you do it, then this will happen like the law of attraction is. The law of attraction says if you, you know, keep yourself, your head positive, keep your heart positive, keep yourself cleansed and and affirming, visualize what you want, feel the feelings of what you want, be able to be present with what you want even though it's not really happening, meditate on what you want at least once a day. If you do that, you will have what you want. And uh, what Jesus said was, there's no if, there's no then. It's just true that when you put the kingdom of heaven first, everything that is the kingdom of heaven is yours. Now, what is the kingdom of heaven? So the kingdom of heaven, according to uh, the root language in the Bible, and also as uh, the other side, or whatever you want to call it, is described in other sacred texts, has to do with uh, the divine self. So the, the, there is an ever-evolving process toward divine self, and that is the kingdom of heaven. And that's how it's actually defined in the Bible, that most people think it's uh, of as defining heaven very, very differently than that. Heaven is, according to most Western tradition, a place we go to after we die and cannot access until then. Uh, but, uh, but according to the root language of that very book, it says that heaven is an, a consist, constant, ongoing, evolutionary process that never stops, that gets us 
to knowing who we are as divine self. And all of this is written about in the book, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why Is It Working and How It Can. So you can purchase the book at Amazon.com and read about all of those definitions of heaven there. It's also written about in Inhabiting Heaven Now. Um, that book has just come out this past December, and uh, that, that book tells a lot more about the definition of heaven found in the root language. So, so what we come to understand when we study that is that no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. Overcoming doesn't really mean that I'm going to have everything I want, that the law of attraction will work for me and bring me that boat. What, that, what it really means is that um, I'm, I'm no longer blind to who I am. The duality trance state has dropped away from my eyes. I now see completely well who I am with absolute clarity. I am God and God is me. And that is true for everyone on the planet. We are all gods. Uh, we all have the divine self. And it's not just a spark in us. It's who we are. And the, the identity that we've identified with as polarized opposite from the divine keeps us from knowing that. So, so our overcoming has to do with that. It has to do with seeing, no longer being blind. And that is not, our blindness is not an enemy, um, and we're going to talk about that, uh, blindness not being an enemy uh, in, the, in the next sec- segment of the show after the break. But right now, just to know, it's not an enemy. It is uh, actually a part of the evolutionary process of the creation of the world. So once upon a time, there was no form. Now there is form. Form was created by Elohim, which is who we are. We are also Elohim. And uh, form was then uh, asked to take on this challenge of discovering what form was. What is form, really? Is it separate from the divine? Is it sinful and evil? Is it, what is its nature? What is the nature of form? And so we live in bodies, and we live in matter, and we, we slowly are beginning to discover that form and formlessness are the same thing. They are both Elohim. They are both God. And when we really, really get that heart, mind, body, and soul, when we really get that, the world will evolve and we will not need duality anymore. Some of us are already getting it. Some of those people might be saying, I have gotten rid of my ego. Um, And those people are uh, many. We hear people talk about that a lot these days. But we're going to say something different about that in the next break. So, uh, I mean, after the next break. So stay, stay here for that. We're going to talk about that as well. Be back in just a minute. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. All day long, we sort out clutter in our minds and bodies, all the while trying to find that healing modality that will work for us. Tune in to Intermission with host Patty Campbell. Each week, we'll explore a deeper spirituality and the healing process. Everyone has the capability to heal themselves. Let us help you find your capability in the hopes that you will pay it forward. Intermission Journey to Wellness is broadcast live every Thursday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave. 
How can we grow both individually and collectively with greater ease and efficiency? Tune in to The Power of Presence with host John Hankey to learn about the relationship between meditation, hypnosis, NLP, Chinese medicine, sports psychology, personal evolution, and more. The show covers practical applications including mindfulness, conscious language, time management, nutrition, fitness, and holistic health to investigate how all of us can achieve our next level of fulfillment, well-being, and vitality. Listen every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave. When you learn to see things from a spiritual perspective, it changes the way you see virtually everything in your life. Listen for Dr. Paula Joyce and her program, Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit. Our program will help you get rid of the negative aspects of your life and invite love, joy, and prosperity into your life. Turn that negative feeling into a positive one. Tune in to Uplift Your Life, Nourishment of the Spirit, every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. AIHT offers degrees in interfaith and interspiritual educational programs that enable you to not only find your own authentic spirituality, but to bring your unique gift to the world in service upon graduation. At AIHT, you can get a master's, doctorate, or ministerial bachelor's degree, and the doctoral programs are broken down so that you may get a Ph.D., a doctor of ministry, or in the holistic theology program, a doctor of theology degree. The programs in which you may get these degrees are holistic theology, holistic health, holistic ministries, metaphysics, and parapsychology. These courses offer depth and meaning to not only your own spiritual search for truth and meaning, but to your capacities to bring your healing, loving, guiding gifts to the world. The population of students includes doctors, lawyers, healers, nurses, ministers, counselors, psychologists, social workers, nutritionists, herbologists, homeopathy practitioners, psychics, mediums, and many others who have a special gift but need to learn to hone it and to credential it. It also includes students who simply wish to enhance their own profound spiritual journeys. What's most important to AIHT's model is the exploratory nature of the studies that reach to the depths of all the world's religions, traditions, and paths, and even to transcend them to find the mystical core of them all in order to facilitate the student's own journey to his or her own authentic spirituality by utilizing, as your text-writing teachers, spiritual experts from all over the world. You can learn more about what is offered by going to www.aiht.edu or if you'd like to talk directly to the admissions director, call Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. Again, you can go to www.aiht.edu. 
Dot edu, or contact Admissions Director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. You know, Oprah says education is the key to unlocking the world, a passport to freedom. Call and get your passport today. So we're talking about overcoming, and I said we'd talk a little bit about what the ego, that whole idea of getting rid of ego. And so let's start there. There's a lot of talk out there today about enlightenment being the same as getting rid of ego. Well, I can't say that I know for sure what enlightenment is. Um, I, I, I do think that it has to do with that uh, taking off the scales of our eyes so that we no longer see ourselves as separate from the divine. We see ourselves as whole, wholly divine. And all of the parts of us have now been united in the divine. Um, but uh, whether or not a person is enlightened is a question I'm not sure we know how to answer. So I, I like to hold that in the in the category of mystery. I like to just say, okay, well, I'm definitely on the path to enlightenment. Have I arrived? Uh, you know, to the degree that I still am living in a world where duality is present in the minds of most of us. Probably not. Uh, but I, I do think that this idea runs along the same idea, uh, so along the same um, continuum as the ideas of duality. So let me speak to that just a little bit. When people talk about getting rid of ego, what they mean is that the ego is the problem. The ego is the thing that thinks wrong thoughts. It makes us do wrong things it makes us feel wrong feelings and whether you think of wrong in terms of ethics morals or whether you think of it in terms of just mistakes either way the ego is the problem and so the ego has to be overcome it is the enemy within us and it, it has to be overcome and in order to overcome it we have to just get rid of it that's what the thought is I don't agree with that thought, and you get to choose what you agree with. Of course, with everything I say, you get to decide what you think, and I really encourage my listeners to do that, to go within with whatever it is that I say and decide for yourself what is true for you because that's the only way you're going to be able to take your journey and make it authentic for you. Um, but 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 here's why I have a problem with that, and, and uh, I don't have the problem with anybody who believes that. I have a problem with the theory itself. The theory itself is based in an idea of splitting us off from pieces of ourselves. And any time we do that, we are no longer headed toward wholeness. So so I'm going to split off from something that I call ego, and I'm going to make it the bad guy, and I'm going to come into my higher self. And uh, so I've got to renounce that bad ego, and I've got to accept uh, my higher self as the, as who I am. Well, what what? How do we do that? How, what we're doing in the process of doing that is we're trying to not think certain thoughts that remind us that we have an ego. We're trying to only feel the the, the feelings that we think are identified as feelings that would come from the higher self. We're trying to um, uh, be a part of this image of ourselves that has to do with higher self. What would that look like? What would the higher self look like? Well, it looks like a good person who's kind and loving and compassionate and forgiving to all people, who is about service 
and is on a mission to bring light and enlightenment to the planet. For most of us, it looks something like that. And the ego, on the other hand, is all about personal aggrandizement and, um, you know, putting itself on top and, and it's about sabotaging the plans to, to become who we are supposed to be as divine, as, as higher self. Um, it is all about, um, fighting against that which would make us into higher self. It's all about sabotaging our plans to have that boat. It's all about all kinds of things that have to do with, with keeping us from the higher self. Um, and so we want to get rid of it. And there are people today saying that I have overcome ego. I no longer participate in ego. Well, my definition of ego is that that's used by Carl Jung and, um, and to some degree and uh, also by those who understand ego as a central part of the psychology of humanity. Um, so ego is not, as uh, in, from this definition, it's not what Freud said it was. Ego is not the conscious self, um, although Jung sometimes used it that way as well. Ego is not the conscious self. Ego is not uh, uh, that functioning persona that we put out into the world. That's more like a persona. Ego uh, is actually a liaison between the inner and the outer, the unconscious and the conscious. So the unconscious is the shadow. Right? So the shadow is that part of myself that I cannot see. So I'm, I'm in the light, I'm a tree, I'm standing in the light, and I, if I had eyes, I could turn behind me and look and see that the sun has cast a shadow behind me. Um, most of us can't see our own shadows. Others might see it for us and point it out to us. If we're willing to listen, we might get a little piece of our shadow material and, and be able to access it. Uh, but... Uh, so, so we think in terms in those terms. We think in terms of shadow. We think in terms of ego. We think in terms of, you know, the conscious and the unconscious. So the conscious self, conscious expression of self is what we consider to be the ego, and the shadow is the unconscious expression of self. Well, if that's true, and and we have to get rid of ego, then what we're saying is we have to be the unconscious expression of self. I'm not sure I want to be that. <laughs> what I do want to be is all of it together. And that's what Carl Jung proposed, is that we, we put the two together. We put self and, uh, the, I mean, excuse me, the, the, the conscious expression of self and the unconscious expression of self together. That they both have the right to speak up. They're sort of on the committee. And that the self... The actual real self, the authentic self is what I call it, um, gets to be the chair of that committee and decide which one it's going to go with. When we are living in that way, we are much more um, cohesive. We are united with all the variant aspects of who we are, the feminine, the masculine, the, 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 the conscious and the unconscious are united. They're not split off. But getting rid of ego says that we must be split off. And, and um, so we think that the conscious self has the capacity to tell the, whatever, the, conscious, the ego, that, which is also the conscious self, to stop being ego, <laughs> which is kind of a, uh, an impossibility. 
Um, so when we set out to get rid of ego, that what I'm going to do in my life is get rid of ego, uh, we are actually saying that my conscious expression of self wants to not have an ego, which is the conscious expression of self. And uh, there's just no way to accomplish that. So that's A. B, uh, when, when we split off, we don't know ourselves as well. And when we don't know ourselves as well, we can't be divine self. We can't be whole. So what getting rid of ego generally means is casting more material into the unconscious. It means that I become more unconscious of material that I actually should be becoming conscious of because I don't want it in me. I don't like it. I don't want it in me. And so I'm going to make it go away. And that creates a war. And that's why we think of it in terms of overcoming. I will overcome that battle ego. So, okay. When, we, when we're talking about uh, shadow, the shadow has actually got a lot of energetic material in it. So let's, in one, one scenario, the shadow has within it things that I've repressed. So let's say I don't like the feeling of anger and I think that anger is associated with ego. So I'm going to get rid of that anger. And what I, what I mean when I say I'm going to get rid of it is that I'm just not going to know it's there anymore. I'm just going to get rid of it and I'm going to send it away. I'm not going to feel those feelings. I'm not going to have those actions. I'm not going to have those thoughts. Not going to happen in me. I won't be angry. I'm a very forgiving, loving, compassionate, kind person. That's who I see myself as being and I will not have anger in me. So what happens to that anger? Does it go away? Does it just like poof, go away because I want it to? No. It goes into the unconscious. Now it becomes part of my shadow material. Now what's going to happen is it's going to come out in some other way that's not pretty. Um, so I'll either you know, put up and put up and put up and put up and put up until one day somebody drops a proverbial straw and then I blow. Or I will have little leaks of anger through sarcasm or little ways of being passive aggressive with people. My anger will come out in little leaks and I won't have to know about it. So that's actually what's going on. It's a game we're playing with ourselves and we don't even know it. And why would we play that? It's because we have within us this same duality trans state that says there's part of me that's bad and part of me that's good and I'm going to keep the good and get rid of the bad and that is the same as the old western traditional thing of God and Satan sin and goodness all that it's the same exact paradigm only put in different words so when we're talking about getting rid of any aspect of self we are just putting it into the unconscious and um, so what, what will happen then is that we will become less conscious, more unconscious, while we're trying to get rid of, of our conscious expression of self through conscious expression of self. It's very convoluted, I know, but, but that's the fantasy. The fantasy is that we, we have some part of us that's bad and we need to get rid of it. So, okay, let's take the example of shadow material and how we can use that. Shadow material is generally considered to be bad. It's not the part of us that's good. It's not the part of us that we want to put out in the world. It's not the part of us that we want anybody to know about. It's hidden in the closets of our unconscious, and we've kept that door closed for centuries, and it's sealed up, locked, and, and you know, we're not going there. So what happens when a little bit becomes, we become aware of a little of it? Well, that's an opportunity, a unique opportunity to not only see what it is that we're up to, in, a, in our sneaky little ways, 
but also to use that energy in some major capacity to bring our lives into alignment with the divine self. So now when I'm talking about our lives, I'm not talking about who I am. I'm talking about the thing that I do. Life is what I do. I am who I am. Uh, so when I'm, I'm putting my life in alignment with divine self, what I'm doing is living the life that my deepest soul wants to live. And all kinds of energy can be used for that. So let's take that same angry energy we put away into the unconscious a few minutes ago. And, and let's pull it out. And let's say, I am angry. By God, I'm real angry. I'm just furious. What is that? Well, first exploring it. And this is a little bit of how-to how to get in touch. We'll talk some more about that in the next segment, but uh, I'm going to explore it and find out what it is that I'm angry about and do something about that. But also, the energy of anger itself is huge. The energy of any emotion is huge. What can I do with this energy to bring my life more into alignment with who I actually am as a divine self? So that's, that's what we can do with, with that anger. We can use it. We can use it as an energy to, to bring about the life that matches who we actually are as a divine being. And when we talk about divine being there, most people think in terms of goodness. Oh, well, that means that I'm going to be a good person. Divine being means I'm going to be good, right? I'm not, I'm not ever going to think about myself. I'm never going to be selfish. I'm going to be giving and kind and loving. And so here we are again in the duality trance state saying, well, this is good and this is bad. No. The divine self simply is what it is. That is why when Moses asked the divine, whom shall I say sent me? He said, I am that I am. He did not say I am good. He did not say I am bad. He, she, it said, I am that I am. And when we look up the, the, uh, the actual meaning, the root language of that, as Charles Fillmore did when he studied the uh, Hebrew text, uh, Yahweh actually means, I am, I was, I will be, because I am, I was, I will be, eternally I. That's it. I am because I am. That's it. And there is no goodness attached to that or badness. In fact, in Isaiah, that same God who spoke to Moses said, I create the goodness and the evil. Okay, now what he, I don't think he meant he created goodness and evil. I think what he meant was I, I create what you call goodness and evil, because you live in a duality translate. I live and I am because I am, and we we have a hard time wrapping our heads around that. But when we live in the divine self, we are living from that I am because I am. We are not living into goodness or some definition we've made up about goodness. We're not living into badness or some definition we've made up about badness. We are living in I amness, just pure beingness that isn't all about what's good and what's bad and how do we define this. So when we start thinking in those terms of how should we define this, we decide in advance what love looks like. And we start putting shoulds in front of love. And I'm here to tell you, and I will say it again and again, the minute you put a should in front of the word love, it ceases to be love. It is now a duty, an obligation, uh, uh, some kind of thing that's going to make me into a better person or something like that. So we need to be thinking in terms of I amness, not in terms of shouldness. <laughs> and we're going to talk a little bit more about that and how to make it happen right after this break. Stay tuned for more. 
This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you moving at the speed of everything else? If you are, then you probably don't seem to have the time to connect to your inner spirit, voice, and power. Haven't you wanted to connect with yourself again? Tune in to Intuitively Speaking with host Shauna Gulbrand. You'll be empowered to get reacquainted with who you are. You can find your sense of purpose, learn and heal with Shauna. This awareness can affect your life and those around you. Intuitively Speaking airs live on Mondays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. In unified consciousness, we are all part of the spectrum. As individuals interconnected, there is no time, no space, just the all. Listen for Conscious Conversations with Joan and Janet, featuring hosts Joan Newcomb and Janet Barrett. Each week, Joan and Janet will provide new focal points for you to resonate with and explore. Their passion is to support your evolutionary growth and change. Conscious Conversations with Joan and Janet is broadcast live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthews.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Okay, for our final segment now, we want to talk about overcoming in a whole different way. We want to talk about it from the perspective of creating union between the, with the various aspects of, the, of our lives and ourselves. Um, but I, I, I need to let you know that I take this how-to route um, very, very carefully because it, how-tos can sound like, well, if you just do step one, two, and three, well, it's all going to be fine. And I don't want to come across that way because this is not that kind of how-to and it's not a take a, take a step one, two, three. It really is about learning to tra- traverse the inner terrain and it has to do with, I want you to try to imagine yourself uh, standing between two mountains and pulling them together um, or or standing between the heaven and the earth and being both at the same time that might be an easier image to grapple with to 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 unite the variant pieces of ourselves some of which seem very opposite but that's what it takes to get out of the duality trance state the duality trance state says there are goods and there are bads 
And we have to sort out those distinctions and try to align with goodness. Or if we're particularly rebellious, we want to align with badness. And what that does is it puts us all at risk of aligning with one or the other. And any time we do that, we've lost touch with who we actually are. So actually uh, trying to be good is actually not good <laughs> in that sense because we've, we're losing touch with who we are by striving after a concept that doesn't even have any meaning to the divine entity that, that is I am that I am. I am because I am. So, okay, so what does it mean to traverse the inner terrain? Traversing the inner terrain means to, to stay inside. Uh, that doesn't mean stay inside all the time. But it means to be inside yourself at least a portion of the day through meditation um, and uh, sort of just being with what comes up. Sometimes people get up in the morning and will write. Um, that's one of the methods that people can use to sort of find out what's been going on. Sometimes they'll write down their dreams. That's very helpful because if we can really work with the dream images and, um, and, and decide what they mean to us, then they sort of are a kind of tarot, if you will, that will help us to divine our next path. It also helps us to figure out what, not figure out in any mental way, but just kind of know what is going on inside of us, what our internal conflicts are what shadow material we're walking around with, you know. So what's happening there is we're being informed by ourselves about ourselves. And that is a constant process. Anytime we have an emotion, we're being informed about what's going on inside of us. Most of us have been taught in the Western world to to send those away, to repress those, to put them in the unconscious where they boil up into something that's a behavior we can't even seem to control. And the reason it doesn't seem to be controllable is because it's coming right up out of the unconscious. Were it conscious, we'd be able to say, now I'm going to not do that. (laughs) And we wouldn't do it. That would be the end of that. But because it comes from unconscious material, it has a force all its own. Why? Because it's been pushed down and pushed down and pushed down. And if you can imagine, you know, packing a, 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 a barrel, so to speak, full of energy, What's going to happen is eventually that energy is just going to blow the top off of that thing or maybe to blow the sides off too. And that's what happens when we pack energy down into the unconscious. We're trying really hard not to feel it and it's coming out again some other way. And it's going to be some way that we can't really, um, as conscious beings, be able to grab hold of and stop. Also, life has a way of just enforcing itself on us where things happen that we are not in charge of and not in control of and you know automobile accidents and financial uh, circumstances that are beyond our control uh, illnesses that seem to be beyond our control all kinds of things can happen to us that aren't within the purview of what we understand to be conscious self now the people who are proponents of the uh, law of attraction it was as it was first written about say that when we when we get ill, we have attracted that. When we have an automobile accident, we have attracted that. When we, um, uh, when we have any kind of bad circumstance, we have attracted it by our negative thinking. Um, I can't even tell you how much I disagree with that. Uh, I, th- I think that, again, we're attracted to and by all the things that places, events, circumstances that will bring us to understand who we are as divine beings. So if we did attract that, 
Uh, we did it because it is going to help us to become more aware of who we are as a divine being, not because we were thinking negative thoughts and the curse came to us as a result of our bad deeds. Um, so uh, when, we, when we're working with traversing the inner terrain, what we're talking about is gently uncovering without judgment whatever is in there. Okay, because the I am, the divine self, doesn't know anything about goodness or badness. It is because it is. Because that is true, then we can also look at in, inside ourselves and see what's in there and do so without saying, well, that's good and that's bad. I shouldn't have that. I should have that. I shouldn't be feeling this. I should be feeling that. Just before the break, I said that any time you put should before the word love, it ceases to be love. And that is a, a, a kind of rule of thumb that I go by because so many times we have, well, if they love me, they would X, Y, and Z. That's a should. It's not love. That's, I'm telling them what they should do to convince me that they love me, and that'll, that'll be a game we play if that's, the tr- if that's what we do. Um, and, and on the other hand, we also say to ourselves, I should be doing so-and-so for Sally June because, you know, Sally June needs it and I should be doing that and it's a loving thing to do and I should do that. Well, the minute you put should in front of it, it's not a loving thing anymore because then it's coming from a whole different department. Compassion doesn't need shoulds. It operates on its own energy without anything pushing it except itself. It is exactly the same as the divine. It only needs itself to operate. It doesn't need goods, bads. It doesn't need shoulds and oughts. It just operates of its own energy, of itself. And that is, that is what we're looking for in all areas of our life. We're looking for operation that comes from effortless effort, that the energy is something that produces itself. But that happens because we're, we're uncovering things that we didn't like before. My angers, my fears, my quote-unquote negative thoughts, all of those things are being uncovered without judgment. And, and we're learning then what it is that they came up for. Why, why did that negative thought come up? Well, okay, that's a pattern that I've had from childhood of coping. Uh, I think negative because if I think positive, then my hopes might be dashed. So I'd rather think negative because then it, once, if, if it happens well, I'll be happy. If it happens bad, well, I won't be so disappointed. It's a way of coping with potentiality of pain. So, so it's a game we play. It's not really real. So if it's not really real, then why, the, the energy itself that I'm putting behind it has another whole meaning. If what I'm doing with energy is not really real, then the energy behind that is real and it has something else to tell us. And that's what we need to get to. And that's what traversing the inner terrain is all about and that's how we overcome the blindness that is the duality trance state we begin to see clearly who we are as pure raw undefiled uh, in, uh, in, having nothing to do with duality divine energy that's what we are that's what we actually are and the more we can think in those terms the more we will be all about seeking first the kingdom of heaven and all these other things will be added unto us. So, And that's just one way of saying it. The Bhagavad Gita says it differently, but it says the same thing. The, um, some of the uh, Sufi sutras will say the same thing. W- what we're getting down to here is the bottom line, the base 
foundational energy of who we are. We are Elohim. We created ourselves anew as form. We can do anything. And that possibility is is just bubbling up inside of us all the time. And it's using emotions, events, um, crises, uh, um, sort of the what I call the, the, the vacuum of, of emptiness that we get to sometimes when it seems like it's just, we've just stopped and there's just nothing after that. And that, that place of nothingness is actually paradoxically the place where we find the authentic self. I like to think of the divine self as, as nothing, that it, the, the, the nothing that is everything. The hum of the universe that is everything but consists of nothing. Um, so that there's a kind of silence and a kind of stillness that is in that energy, and yet it produces great amounts of creative uh, energy. <laughs> it produces energy of its energy, and so it is all. It is self-generating and organic in its process. So we don't have to push it. We don't have to strive after it. We don't have to try to be good. We don't have to do anything except be it. And just it is already us. So what that means is if we uncover, we just take the blankets off of it. Take all the things that we've put over top of it, off of it, so we can see it. And seeing it then becomes our healing. All we have to do is see it. See who we are as divine energy. See who we are as divine self. And then... It, we begin to live into it because that first vision is all-consuming. It's all-consuming. And that is all there is to overcoming. That is all there is to this thing that people would call getting rid of ego, although I would never call it that and never uh, think of it in those terms. If, if they've arrived at some place that is close to enlightenment, they didn't do it by splitting off from themselves and, and saying that was a bad ego and I got rid of it. Um, so, traversing the inner terrain is, is meditation that just sits with the self and listens. Just listen to what comes up. That's it. Just be with what comes up, whatever it is. If it's a worry, okay, be with that. If it's, and, and instead of saying, you bad worry, you should go away. You know, how does that happen? Would we do that to a child? <laughs> would we, if a child came to us and said, Mommy, Daddy, I'm worried about X, Y, and Z, would we beat them up and say, you've got to stop thinking that way? No, we would take them in our arms and hold them and, and, and reassure them. And that's what we need to be doing with, with our own things that come up. We need to take them in our arms and embrace them because they are energy. And that energy has information for us. And we just sit with it until it re- reveals its information. And once it reveals the information, we've got the information. So that's the meditation phase. The other is to, as you're going through your day, tune in. Pay attention to what's going on inside you. When you feel tense about something, listen to that. What is that telling you? Is it telling you you're trying to do something that you, isn't really true to you? Could be. Maybe you'd better stop doing that. <laughs> is it telling you that you really are kind of uh, off-put by somebody? Who's walked in the room? Their energy is is uh, is is pretty hostile toward you. Yeah, you might need to pay attention to that. Is it telling you that there's some creative endeavor that you could be involved in that you would be delighted about and would give you great joy? Yeah, investigate that. 
what's going on inside of you as you walk through your day. Tune in. Now, I realize that at first we're not going to always tune in, but you can have certain designated times during the day when you decide you're going to tune in, say at 10 o'clock break, 12 o'clock lunch break, you know, 2 o'clock break, you know, 5 o'clock on the way home from work. You, you can start that practice. And as you do, you begin to open up more and more with the two your own capacity to give yourself information about yourself. And that process is an ever, ever unfolding process. So that's a sort of how-to. I want to be clear that's not going to be the end-all and be-all because there's much more that you will create that I haven't told you about. But that's a start. And so I would encourage us all to think of overcoming in this way that has to do with bringing together all the variant pieces of us instead of sending parts of us away. And next week, we're going to be talking some more. We're going to come back next Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, about finding your own truth. So be here for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.